Over the past few years, I have asked you guys to give me a rating and review. And if you've done that, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. It's so helpful. But if you haven't, I get it. I kind of get it. Like, I'm asking you to go and click on this thing and then like, how do I do it? And then I have to come up with some kind of a review and I don't know what to say and I'll do it later, right? I, I get it. I've, I've kind of been there before. I, I know exactly how you feel. And so I'm not asking you to do that now, okay? What I'm asking you to do now is so easy. Anybody can do it and it literally takes like one second. Go into whatever you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, they all have it, and just click on the subscribe button. Just subscribe. It takes one second. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to come up with a review and write it all out and you know be self-conscious about it. Just hit that subscribe button. That would be so, so, so impactful for me. And if you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it, that would mean the world to me. It really would. And it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like, let's literally stop listening right now. Stop listening. Go and do it. That's how much it means to me. Nobody ever asks you to leave their show and stop listening for anything. But I'm asking you to stop listening right now. Go and just quickly subscribe. Come right back and take a listen. That would mean the world to me. I would really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. The new normal isn't like we're going to Mars where we have to terraform the place and there's not enough oxygen. Like we're going to we're going to still be in America and we're still going to have the real estate market that is essentially functions the same way, right? Interest rates might be a little higher, house prices might might be a little lower than they were last year, but I promise you you can still flip houses, you can still wholesale, you can still have rentals, and you can still have Airbnb. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on Just Our Real Estate. I appreciate you being here. It is great to have you, and I'm excited to have another live Q&A to bring to you so much fun, lots of good interaction, good live questions, good questions that were sent in. I had a blast answering these questions. Uh, I answered questions about my book, actually. Somebody in level jumping, I talk about company culture because as you're growing your company and it's scaling and you're starting to get some traction and there's some real volume and you know there's people there, like you have to worry about how you how you run that company. What is the, what's the culture like? What do people think about the company? How do they feel about coming into work? Like it may sound irrelevant, especially, you know, if you are a little older and you've been around and you worked in the eighties and nineties, uh, company culture wasn't as big a deal, but it is a thing. And so I talk about that a little bit, a little excerpt from my book that somebody asked me about. Um, somebody asked me about buy and hold rentals. How far in advance do you advertise the the vacancies? Um, really great question about buying and marketing for properties during the holidays. Do you just shut it down? Why do people shut it down? Should you shut it down? Should you not shut it down? Like, how does that work during the holidays? And and then we had some really good live stuff. Uh, a friend of mine, Adam Whitney, jumped on and he was asking about what is the new, what's the best strategy? Uh, for real estate in the what he called the new normal wholesaling flipping rentals Airbnb commercial development what like what did he, what do I think people should be looking at as the go-to strategy so I answered that one uh, and then we had some dis we had some like wholesaling questions about 
you know, just holding properties that are just not great right now. If you're if you're putting things under contract that you really don't love personally, like how do you avoid being stuck with kind of a clunker property? So, and and just some other questions that came through that were really great. So this is a really fun one, guys. I'm excited to bring it to you. So without any further ado, I give you my latest live Q and A. All right, I'm back. It's Wednesday. We're live. I am answering your real estate questions. Uh, I am happy to have you here with me, and I'm looking forward to having great conversation tonight. Uh, if you haven't already grabbed my free direct mail marketing course, it's brand, it's free, it's new, it's fresh, it's everything I've used to be successful in direct mail over the years. Go and grab that right now. It walks you through it from A to Z. You know exactly what to do in your real estate business to get more leads. Direct mail is still a fantastic way to get leads in your business. And we all need more leads. I don't care who you are or what you're trying to do. And if you don't need more leads, which is unusual, then I can almost guarantee you want cheaper leads. Whatever you're paying for them right now, if you could get them cheaper, it only increases your bottom line. It makes your bottom line better. So go and grab that course. Uh, it's either going to be unavailable or it's going to be it's going to cost something in the future. So it's free now. Uh, take advantage of my uh, lack of desire to go in and update everything to make it a paid course and get it while it's free. It's going to be paid or, or just taken down at some point um, because I'm going to be offering some other stuff probably. So uh, if you want that, go and grab it. It's yours free for life. You can get it at mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. It's on the screen if you're watching mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. And uh, or you can just go to mikesimmons.com and just fill out the, the form right there on the front page and, and you can grab that for yourself. Okay. Uh, if you have questions, if you're live and you want to ask me something about your real estate business, about real estate in general, please Feel free, jump in, ask questions. I am here for you. Otherwise, I get questions from you guys during the week, all the time, DMs, emails, everywhere. Uh, people reaching out and wanting help with their business. And I'm going to attack some of those questions and start answering those right now, uh, which is great because you can get the benefit of hearing the answer to a question you might not even have thought to ask. So that can be helpful, I know. Um, I've sat in rooms with really smart people who were asking really smart questions of um, of the room, and I loved it because I didn't. I I just I'm not always the smartest person in the room. Matter of fact, I try to be in rooms where I'm not the smartest person. And so, when smart people around me are asking really smart questions, really good questions, I like to be able to be in the room to hear that because I might not have come up with a really smart question. So this is sort of that that opportunity to hear other people's questions and get answers to things that you weren't even you weren't even aware you needed to know. So, here we go. Let's dive in. First one. In level jumping, you say what if you turn your company, I'm going to put it on the screen here for everyone. I'm reading it, but you all can read it. What if you turn your company into a friendly family camp where the focus is more on feelings than revenue? Can you explain this? Okay, first of all, I'll explain what level jumping is. Level jumping is the book that I wrote a couple of years ago, and um, it's about my my business's journey from being kind of a small one man band to a, a company that's doing over seven figures in revenue. And I did that in a really short amount of time. I, I went from just doing a deal or two to doing 10, 12 deals a month. 
in a year. And so I get asked a lot, how did I do that? And so I wrote a book that kind of outlines all that. But part of it, the part that's being referenced here of my book called Level Jumping, by the way, you can go to Amazon and grab that. It's on Amazon. Um, the part of my book where I reference what where that they're referencing here, where it says, what if you turn your company into a, a friendly family camp? That was a, a, a chapter where I was talking about company culture and company culture. It's something that usually people talk about when their companies get a little bit bigger and they have more employees and things like that. Usually people start worrying about company culture way too late. It's just they've already probably created a really not so great culture and they're worrying about it, you know, after it's already starting to eat away and erode their their employees and the enthusiasm and the joy that people have for being there. And so I talk about that in the book why it's important that the people that work with you and for you and for the company, why culture matters and how that affects not just your bottom line, but the health of your company in general. And but at one point in the book, I said, you don't you don't want to get so feelings driven or you don't want to let how everyone feels every day that comes into work completely overshadow the the main purpose of a for-profit business and that's to make profit and so in that chapter where i'm talking about company culture and you need to cultivate this culture and it's really your company will always be stronger if the people that are working for you want to be there and they're excited to be there but you can't let it that part of your concerns go so far that you stop worrying about making money because at the end of the day if you're not making money you're not a business number one you can't employ these people who may love you but if the business is losing money you're eventually going to not be able to pay them and they're going to go somewhere else so what i said was culture is important people's feelings are important making sure that people have a a real um sense of belonging and really love your company but kpis are the counter balance or it's sort of like the guardrails that that keep you from going too far off the rails if you're always focused on making sure everyone's happy but you're not focused on kpis your business will suffer so kpis stand for key performance indicators they are metrics that you use to measure the performance of people in your company and so we want everyone to love being there. We want everyone to feel challenged. We want everyone to feel safe. We want everyone to feel fulfilled and proud of where they work. But also, at the end of the day, there are objectives and goals that we all have to meet and be aware of in our company. And so KPIs help us not lose sight of the actual numbers of the business. And it's not just revenue, although that is a KPI sometimes. It's not just revenue. It's how many calls did your salespeople make? How many, you know, how many uh, uh, contracts did they sign? How many deals did your dispositions person sell to the end buyer? How many closings did you have at the title company? How many, you know, renovation projects do you have going? How many are over budget? How many are under budget, right? All these things that we use to determine whether or not our people and our company are successful. That's what KPIs are. And that's that's what I mean. Don't let that don't let the culture become so like like having a good and happy healthy culture is, is super important. But don't let it go so far that you completely lose sight of the actual numbers of the company. So that's really what I meant by that. I 
And I don't want to suggest that money is more important than people. I'm not saying that, but ultimately, if you have a company of people that love you and love working there and come to work every day, excited to work, but the company's losing money and you go out of business, that's not going to make anybody feel good either, right? So there's there's a little bit of a yin and a yang, a little bit of a balance there. You want everyone to be happy and fulfilled and heard and everything and love coming to work, but also have a a successful business financially. So that, that's the balance that you always have to kind of try to strike. Okay, let's move on to the next questions. If there's no live questions, we'll move right on. Okay, next question. For buy and hold rentals, how far in advance should I advertise an upcoming vacancy? Do you think Facebook is a good place to do this? Yeah, Facebook's a great place to advertise it. Craigslist is a good place. You can use realtors. Um, there's websites out there that are specifically for putting your house up for rent. And so you can use all those places. But that you know that, that's sort of like, I think, the secondary question. The major question is, how far in advance should you advertise an upcoming vacancy? I, I mean, <clears throat> if you have a tenant who tells you six months before the lease is up, that when the lease is up, they are definitely moving, then I say start advertising it 90 days out. I think that's probably appropriate. And hopefully you have the kind of relationship with your renter where you can say, hey, Mr. Mrs. Renter, you told me you're leaving uh, at the end of the lease. 90 days before that, I'm going to start showing it. So can we work together to make sure that the house is in as good a condition and as showable as possible? And if, and if that's the relationship you have with them and they've told you that far in advance, then I think 90 days is great if you can start advertising it. If you have a renter that you think is going to renew uh, because maybe they told you they were, and then you know, 30 days before you're going to renew with them, they tell you they're not going to stay. Well, you're stuck. You've got 30 days, right? And that that's not really that's not really under your control, I guess, if they're not being honest. But all things being equal, you you're going to have a vacancy. Let's just say the tenants tell you. You know, they tell you 60 days before the next lease is probably more realistic. They tell you 60 days in advance. I would immediately go over there and check the condition of the property, have a conversation with a tenant about showings. And I would I would probably advertise it 60 days out and maybe start showing it 30 days out. That's what I would do. I don't, I don't think you have to show it 60 days out because the real the reality is your tenant's not going to keep the place completely clean for 60 days. It's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, they're just going to have they're going to be living their life. So, I would say advertise it 60 days out. And if you have pictures of what it looks like vacant and that are, you know, good that represent the 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 property well, then you can always use pictures, you know, that are from before you rented it last time and uh, advertise that thing 60 days out and then 30 days start showing it. You know, because the reality is you're going to show it to people and some people are going to be interested and they're going to say that they're going to fill out an application. And they won't do it. So if assuming you're doing this yourself, if you have a company that does this for you, then it's not even a question, right? You're, you're asking me because you don't you probably do it yourself. So I think advertising at 60 days out is appropriate. I think showing it 30 days out is great. Again, if you have a tenant that tells you six months ahead of time they're leaving and you know they take good care of the place and you have a good relationship, then maybe start advertising at 90 days out. Right, they get a little bit of extra time, but I think showing it thirty days out is good, and advertising it, you know, sixty to ninety days is awesome if you could do it. That's that would be what I would do. Okay, let's move on to the next question. We are we are jamming through these, so if somebody has a question they want to ask live, totally go for it. We're gonna have time. If not, 
uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll be early. Unless one of these questions really tweak me in a way that I go on a soapbox for a half an hour. That could happen. All right. Are you Next question. Are you still buying properties during the holidays? It is amazing how many companies and services basically mail it in after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's true. It does happen. Um, it's a really good question. Uh, and it's a, it's a question that usually, um, you know, I, people usually have a, a inclination that they need, that they need to stop advertising and stop buying houses, but I don't think that's a good idea. So I've had my real estate company now for, well, since 2008, so it's about 14 years now, but you know, I wrote that book level jumping when I went from just doing a couple houses here and there to doing like high volume. And that happened in like 2015. And so I'll say for the last seven years, I've been running more of a high volume, you know, um, company with, with that's being run like a company. Prior to that, I was sort of running it like a hobby. And so since my company has sort of been successful and, and had, had that kind of success, we have kind of oscillated at times between stopping marketing, stop buying, kind of like hold on to all the resources at the end of the year and then start again at the beginning of the year. We've tried stopping buying. We've tried slowing down the buying process. And we've tried just going full steam ahead and not treating December any differently than we treat any other month of the year. And of those three, I think the clear winner for us has been to keep marketing as if it's any other month of the year. And the re one of the reasons is when it comes to marketing, your marketing isn't necessarily like the, you know, your marketing happens on Monday and then by Tuesday or Wednesday, you've seen all the results you're going to see. That's not how it works. And in the past, we've done a lot of direct mail. And sometimes direct mail is people get the card or they get the letter, whatever you're sending out, and they look at it and they go, hmm, this is something I might want to do. I may want to call these people. I'll think about it on the weekend. And they'll put it on their refrigerator or on their counter in their kitchen or wherever, on their desk in their office. And it'll take some time. And so when we stopped marketing after Thanksgiving, because we did that one year, we just stopped all marketing, all marketing after Thanksgiving. And we still got a few deals here and there in December, some residual stuff, some marketing that was kind of um, paying off uh, that we did earlier. But what happened was January, not only did we not buy much in December, but January and February were kind of dead too. And so, yes, you may not get as many deals in December, but you won't get deals in January and maybe February if you stop all of your buying efforts, all your marketing, right? If you're buying from, you know, if you're a flipper and you're buying from wholesalers, like keep monitoring your email, keep making offers, right? People still sell their house in December and still buy houses in December. So I would say, keep going. Don't, don't stop. Don't slow down. And yeah, it's going to probably be a slower month, right? I'm not saying that nothing will change, but I'm almost, my philosophy is really more about what happens in the after the first of the year when you stop marketing in December, you tend to see much less activity in January and February, and that's not okay. You can't have three months where things don't go real well. So you keep marketing. December could very likely will likely slow down because of Christmas and everything, but then January and February you kind of pick back up where you left off more often. So that's my philosophy there. I think you just keep going. 
you're running a business. This isn't a, a you know, you're not selling popsicles. You don't have to stop in the wintertime, right? We're buying houses and people buy and sell houses all year long and they do it for a lot of reasons. And most of those reasons have nothing to do with the holidays or the weather. And so um, you got to keep going. I think that's just the way it is. And, and it's, if nothing else, it's just to make sure that your first quarter of the next year is profitable and, and is good. So, all right, let's see. looks like Adam Whitney, my buddy, Adam Whitney. All right, Adam, let's see what you got, man. Uh, what are seeing the market even out a bit in Florida and Tennessee? How's the Midwest? Um, it's slowing down, but it's not, it's not, terrible man i mean it's slowing down we have houses we're wholesalers as you know adam uh we're wholesalers so we don't do a lot of retail stuff but we do some retail stuff we do fix and flip some houses and we are holding houses longer than we should be we have houses on the market that should be selling and they're not um i don't think it's crazy bad like it is in other parts of the country but we're seeing it and honestly up through even up through like october like september october I really wasn't seeing it, but now I'm starting to see it. We're seeing it now. And part of it could be the market. Part of it could be the time of year. I just got done answering that question about marketing and, and buying houses and, and after Thanksgiving. It could be a little bit we're struggling to sell a few houses because of the holidays. That, you know, It's hard to necessarily separate the holidays and the market and know exactly what's the cause because we do see a we do see a slowdown every year this time in our business um so I, I think the market's affecting it though so yeah it's slowing down here but it's not crazy bad i'm not freaked out I, the house flippers that i know in in my market and the ones that are like running legit businesses um they're not freaking out they're still buying from us so it's just the retail buyer i think that's a little bit freaked and it could be a little bit of holidays could be the interest rates right could be a lot of things but um it's not terrible it's not terrible man i'm i'm optimistic for sure all right next question from adam uh what will the best strategy be in the new normal wholesaling flipping rentals airbnb commercial development new builds i love that you're asking me this question adam first of all i love it because you're an exceptionally smart guy and you run a really great business so um I appreciate the question. You could probably answer this really well too, but I think the new normal is a, a different question than the current climate. I think personally in the current climate, wholesaling is, is a great strategy because the market volatility, this retail time on market on the MLS, all that stuff, doesn't really directly affect us. It affects our buyers, but if you have good, strong buyers or hedge funds or you know all these institutional places that, that just gobble up properties, if you have really strong buyers, wholesaling right now is probably the safest thing you can do because you know you're a wholesaler, you're in and out so fast and you're not obligating a lot of money to the deal, right? It's just the marketing, but you're not buying houses. So I think wholesaling is a is a great it, like I know people that do flipping and wholesaling and I've talked to them some people in the seven figure group for that matter and uh I and they're struggling a little bit with house days on market for their houses that they're selling retail and I've told them uh, if I were you and I had a, a business that sort of did both like the person I talked to they had like a a 70 30 split 70% of their business was flipping 30% was wholesale over the last couple of years. And I said, 
if I were you, I would flip flop those numbers. I would I would try to do seventy percent wholesaling, and no more than thirty percent flipping. Maybe even less than thirty percent right now. But your question is the new normal. We don't know what that's going to be. We're, I don't think we're there yet. I think we're traveling right now to the new normal. We're we're in transit, right? We're we're crossing that bridge from old normal to new normal. When we get there, we'll see. But here's what I think, man. I, listen. The new normal isn't like we're going to Mars where we have to terraform the place and there's not enough oxygen. Like we're going to, we're going to still be in America and we're still going to have the real estate market that is essentially functions the same way, right? Interest rates might be a little higher. House prices might, might be a little lower than they were last year, but I promise you, you can still flip houses, you can still wholesale, you can still have rentals, and you still have Airbnb. Now, rentals, I think, are a really great play right now, and they will be in the future too, maybe better even than they were, because house prices are a little bit uncertain and interest rates are high, right? And I think banks, although we're not going to go through what we went through in 08, I don't believe on any level really, but banks still are looking down the road, they're trying to read the tea leaves and they definitely don't want to get caught with their pants down like they did a decade ago. So I think lending criteria is probably going to get a little tighter and interest rates are going up. What that means, probably less people buying houses for a while. And so if they're not buying houses, they're renting houses. So I think rentals are great. I'm I'm a believer in Airbnb, that whole model. Uh, it exploded during COVID, and I don't think it's going to become unpopular anytime soon. So I'm going in on that strategy. I, I personally started a small little Airbnb um, business with my daughter. So I'm, I'm, I'm banking on Airbnb a little bit, being really, really strong. Um, but I think flipping and wholesaling, it's all going to work, man. It's all going to work. But if you're like right now, in you know basically tomorrow's december 1st december 1st of 2022 and for the next six months what strategy should a person focus on i think wholesaling is great i just think when there's market volatility and there's some consumer you know uh, hesitancy to, to buy or to, to sell then i think wholesaling is great because it's such a small window of exposure there's a small risk window as as with flipping, there's a bigger window. And then with new construction, even bigger window. Like what I wouldn't be doing right now, personally, if it was me and I'm not trying to, listen, man, if I was like, if I knew, if I was good at new home builds, like ground up builds, and that was like my world and I was a just killer at that, then maybe I had a different opinion. I don't have that background. And it feels like that's a risky strategy in this moment, in this moment, because we just don't know what's going to happen. So Anyways, I think basically the shorter the sales cycle, the better right now. That's just my opinion. Okay. Uh, let's see. Nathan. What's up, Nathan? Okay. Question from Nathan. Buyers are being a lot pickier as I don't want to, I don't want to hold and under, what's that say? Hold an undurable. I don't know what that word is. Maybe I'm just being thick here. I don't want to hold and I, I think undesirable is what you're saying. Undesirable property. How do I articulate to a homeowner? I'm not really interested in buying their home, but I might be able to find a buyer for them and find a solution for them. Um, 
So the question, if I'm understanding you right, Nathan, is you're a wholesaler. You don't want to sign contracts on a house that you don't want anything to do with and you don't want to get stuck with, but you still want to try to wholesale houses for people. What we do is, listen, if you tell them I'm going to sign this contract, but I'm not going to buy it, I'm going to find someone else if I can, that is not going to instill tons of confidence in your sellers, right? And so I think we treat every wholesale deal that we do in our company, we do primarily wholesaling. We treat every wholesale deal as if we don't want the property, okay? So in other words, we don't we don't sign these contracts thinking I'll I want this thing. I hope, you know, nobody wants it or if nobody wants it, I'm excited to have it. It's not that. We we set this up with the intention of wholesaling everything. And so what we do is we tell the sellers not that we're not going to buy their house, but we say, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, usually you go into these these appointments, Nathan, and just for the sake of argument and just using numbers, for example, this may not be representative of house prices in your market. I get that. But we tell people, listen, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I, I came in here prepared to offer you no more than $100,000 for your house. But I can see through talking to you that A, your house is in, is in better shape than I thought. And B, you can't go lower than 110 for whatever reason they have that they can't go lower than 110. I was only prepared to come in and offer you 100 max, right? So here's what I propose. I can see the house is great. I really like you guys. I want I want to make this happen. So let's sign the contract at 110, your number, right? Not mine. I didn't want to pay that much. But okay, here we are and you have a nice house. Let's sign it at 110. I'm going to go and talk to my investors and investors that I work with and see if I can convince them and show them that your house is actually worth a little more than we guessed before we came and saw it physically, right? Now that I'm here, it looks great. I'm going to go to bat for you and I'm going to try to get that 110. All I ask is that you give me 10 days, 10 days to go back, to run my numbers, to meet with my investors and to meet with the investors and the, the the folks that that work with me on these deals and see if I can show them why this is a really good deal for them. If you can give me 10 days, I'll come back and let you know what they say. And we'll listen, we'll either proceed at 110 or I'll let you know that we can't do it. We just can't. Like I thought originally, we can't, right? I'll let you know that. And then you can Decide then if you want to maybe try to lower the price, or we can just screw up the contract and and walk away, friends. Like that's how we that's how we handle every transaction, right? Pretty much because most transaction transactions we want to get it for less than what they want to sell it for, and sometimes we're willing to go up to what they said, but so that it feels like a win for them, we we just tell them, hey, it's a little higher than we wanted to go, and we usually try to bake in ten days of due diligence, and if we can't find a buyer in ten days or we don't have real serious traction, right? You know, in ten days, if you're a wholesaler. You market this thing out in 10 days. If you don't know if you can sell it, you probably can't most likely. So we get those 10 days and then we go back and we either say, Hey, we can't do 110. We're, we were right. The first time we were originally, our number at hundred was right. And so we had this conversation, Mr. Mr. Seller, let's just rip up the contract unless you think that there's some way that you can get down to 100. So that's how we do it. And people don't get mad. They don't get mad because we, we prepared them. They knew what to expect. Sellers get mad when you do unexpected things or when you lead them to believe something is going to happen for sure, guaranteed, 
and then it doesn't happen, right? But if you if you build in that expectation that we have 10 days, we're going to go do some more math. We're going to go do some more figuring. We're going to have some conversations. We're going to meet. We're going to try to get to your number. But in 10 days, if we can't, I'm just going to be honest with you and you deserve that, right? And then we have that conversation. That's how it goes, man. And it works. People don't get mad, like I said, because you're being honest. You, you know, you're, you're at least not telling them you're for sure going to buy it. You tell them you're going to try and you're going to take 10 days to see. And those 10 days, you're going to market it to your private buyers list. And if you get tons of interest, you can go back to them and go, we're good. We'll, we'll, we can do 110. We figured it out. It's a good number for us. We can move forward. If, if you get crickets when you market that thing out and nobody wants it and you're just not going to sell it, you got to go back and just tell them it's, you know, we talked, we talked amongst ourselves and it's not going to work. So that's how it goes. All right. Uh, next question. Let me put up here. Adam says, I personally believe it's more important now than ever to have all options available. The ability to monetize all leads, hundred percent, hundred percent. I, I honestly, Adam, I think that should always be the focus. Is is knowing what exit strategies are available to you and trying to maximize the different strategies. Right? If you buy a house that you can only flip, it doesn't work for a rental. It doesn't work for Airbnb. It doesn't work as a, as anything else. Like you, you're just if you flip, if you don't flip it, you're dead, right? That's a little bit scary because that's one exit strategy. But if you're fortunate enough to live in a market where you can buy a house that was intended to be a flip, but it also works for a long-term or short-term rental, that's awesome. A lot of people do that, right? They back into rentals, but they're good money makers for them because they bought it at a price where both options made sense, right? Or you want to rent it, right? And you you renovate it and you try to rent it and you're not getting the rent you want. You just say, all right, I'll flip it. And then you flip it and make money. I, I know people have done that for years. You know, it's just multiple, multiple exit strategies. Super important. You got to be able to monetize these things. And as your business grows and matures and, you know, you start really understanding the game, you're, you're by default, you're always looking for the best monetization strategy when you have the capacity to do it in the beginning when you're when you're new or, or just starting out you kind of have to focus on something and get really good at that thing and become profitable and really good at doing that before you start trying to do multiple things you know as well as anybody right you can't build three companies at once but once you sort of scale up and, and you have this this thing you're really great at and maybe it's flipping then you add wholesaling, then you add rentals, then you add Airbnb. And it's okay because you you kind of nail this and scale it, nail this, scale it, nail this, scale it. And pretty soon you have these all these strategies available to you. And that's that's the luxury or the benefit of having a company that has a little bit of experience and you kind of know what you're doing. So yeah, I like that, man. I like that a lot. All right. Uh, looks like we have no other live questions. I'm going to, I'm going to cut off the other questions. Now we're 30 minutes in guys. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Adam, uh, Nathan, thanks for the questions. Uh, really do appreciate you guys participating and, uh, being here. It's way more fun to talk to you guys live than it is. I love answering questions, but when I'm having an actual interaction with people, uh, that is always more fun for me. So go to my website, mikesimmons.com, grab your free direct mail marketing course and uh, I'll see you guys next Wednesday. Talk to you soon. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.